So Veronica gets to the casino and, you know, the kitchen, I guess, ran out of knives and are using the guillotines to cut lettuce. So <laughs> for some reason, like, I don't know. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 27-year-old actor and artist. I like rooting anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. And our fun fact for this episode is uh, if you could go to an alternate universe, what alternate universe would you go to? If it has to be similar to Rivervale, I think the alternate universe that I would go to is where everything is pretty much the same, except, which is basically what Rivervale is, but except Mm -hmm. everything is, like, except, like, inflation or, like, just everything is less expensive because money was better, you know? Better better handled. Wealth is evenly distributed so that no one goes without. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Inequality is not a thing. Mm. Yeah. And then uh, to go into, like, fantasy version, I would say probably Harry Potter is the uh, universe that I would go to. Mm. But after the war. (laughs) Oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Imagine if you landed right in the middle of the war. You'd be like, oh, no. You'd be like, oh, this is a weird vacation, actually. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 32-year-old artist and writer. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. I stuttered. It's fine. Be found. Be found. My alternate universe actually would be the exact same as yours. Yeah. Um, just an alternate universe where things are nicer. Everything's just slightly better. And everything's a little bit greener. There's no resource scarcity or everyone's just cool and, you know, our conflicts are low stakes Mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah and uh in terms of like pop culture oh like here's the thing i'm convinced we're in the universe where star trek is real Mm -hmm. and then it's just gonna happen in the future yeah Yeah. well i mean 2063 is when we meet the vulcans Mm -hmm. so but yeah i'd go to the star trek universe because that's quite literally what that is yeah yeah a universe where inequality doesn't exist i just said that to robin's dog um he's snuggling with me he loves snuggler Here's your snuggler. Today we have more to say about episode 620 of Riverdale. Return to Rivervale. Yes, unclear if it's an actual reference to something, but um, that is what it is. And it is a return to Rivervale. It certainly is. It sure is. Yes. Um, as for thoughts from listeners, um, I have a thought um, as a person who is a listener. Okay. To uh, my own podcast. Sure. Um, I, on rewatch, I noticed that Nana Rose has two normal eyes in heaven. She doesn't have her one contact that oh, makes yeah. her one eye cloudy. And yeah. then, so when I was doing my notes for this episode, I noticed that it's it's gone. Now that she's, like, come back in her body. But she's also been reset like Jughead was. Oh, um, my God. And now she can just, I don't know, see? I, I'm, it was unclear if she was, like, blind out of that eye. And then we also got a tweet from Jonathan Powell, uh, at Jonathan Powell 02. Hello, Jonathan. 002. 002. 002. Um, and said, I just wanted to point out that Polly wasn't killed by TBK. She was killed by the Starkweathers. Oh, did we say she was killed by TBK? Yeah, I thought that Polly's body was like in a million pieces in that trunk, but I guess she was just like crushed up. Yeah. You know, like, or like scrunched up. Yeah. Because for some reason, when she was in a truck, I assumed that she was in a million pieces, which honestly is like more traumatic. I think she was in a scrapyard, yeah. right? So you would assume that. Right, 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 right. Oh, what a stupid death. Which I thought was like a lot more, not not that it wasn't traumatic to see her body in there when Betty and Alice went but to at do least that, it but like I thought it was, up, yeah. I honestly thought it was worse than it I was, would never want to see that. Yeah. You yeah. know? No, no, no. As a, like, as a parent, as a person. Yeah, I'd I, be like, I'm totally willing to identify this body, but you need to like put it in a morgue first. I'm oh not no, I don't even want to see it. Found. Nope. Um, mm, nope. Actually, that's a good point. I just think that it's, like, easier if you put it in a morgue, you know? Yeah. It would be better than seeing where it was found. Anyway, thanks to Jonathan for getting back to us. Um, as always, if we say something that's wrong, 
feel free to let us know. I am always willing to be corrected. Thank you. Yeah, I I will take an L. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. I forget things. All right, Brittany, toot or boot this episode? Um, I'm going to give it a toot. I thought that the writing was actually, I mean, of course it's Riverdale, so there were some cringe moments, mm-hmm. but I thought that it was structured a lot better than a lot of the previous episodes. Yeah. The info dumps were never too much. Mm-hmm. It There were good reveals. In terms of a Riverdale episode and in terms of the quality of writing, it was quite good. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to give it a toot. I had a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm watching the Riverdale episodes, you can see, like, beginner writer mistakes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I was a beginner writer, and that's just how it goes. Yeah. In this one, I think it, it was it was well done. Yeah. And I'm very proud of the writing team for nailing that one. Yeah, it was good. We were able to split this episode into storylines. Um, yeah, it's because Ted wrote it. Oh, Ted. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah Ted's a good writer, so yeah. that's why. Yeah. Yeah. I have historically enjoyed Ted's episodes. Ted's a Trekkie. Sure. Yeah. Great. So, we, yeah, we were able to split this episode into storylines. Yes. So, we did the Percival storyline, the Rivervale storyline, and then just kind of everything else. Yeah. Um, and so Brittany handled the first two there. So I was thinking we'd start with Percival. All right. So <laughs> <laughs> this scene is so, we're literally starting off on like what I would define as the weirdest scene in yeah. this episode. I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. So Percival visits Alice and says that he would like to do an exclusive interview with her. Just sort of document his life, his yeah. history, tell his story. He's uh-huh. going to speak his truth. And then afterwards, the station could broadcast the live execution of Kevin Reggie and uh, Marty Mantle. I'm just like, I don't know if that's allowed on the air, sir. Yeah. I think it's illegal to do that. Alice is like, sorry, um, an execution? Yeah. And Percival basically charm speaks her into falling in line. Yeah. I also, like, forgot that he was the mayor. Like, she was like, what can I do for you, Mr. Mayor? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, so here's what's weird about this scene. They are not in the same room when they shot this scene. Are you sure? Yes. Because I- you and Sam seemed really serious about that, and I was like, look at this screen cap. I guarantee that's a green screen. Those two actors, there's, Robin, there's no two shots. There's no two two shots. There's, you never see them in the same room in that scene. That's fair that there's no two shots. I just, like, I've seen so many things where it's like, it kind of looks like a green screen, but it isn't. It's like, I would definitely believe it if, because we see two shots of them when uh, when they're being interviewed. Look at the gosh, the gosh and blur around the top of his head. Sure. I guarantee, yeah, like there's, that gives it away. I think we're all aware at this point that the CW was sold for a dollar. They did. No, they have no money. I guarantee they didn't want to fly Machen up to do this scene. But then she comes back and she's in the scene with him. Yeah, here, probably. And she's in, like, the picture at the end. I mean, I'm guessing for scheduling? Yeah, maybe. Because why else would you shoot this scene like this? So we're going to go straight to the interview. Alice and Percival sit down to do this live broadcast interview. Just so we're clear, Alice's daughter is alive. No one's bothered to tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean? Oh, Polly. Polly! Yeah, I was like, no, Betty never died. No, yeah, nobody tells, tells Alice that Polly's alive. Yeah, it's really weird. So, in a true Fear Street fashion, we are now going back to 1580. So, the Ruby Pearl mm-hmm. arrives at the shores. What shores? We don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Of, like... Somewhere on the East Coast. Yeah. I know that this isn't a reference, but, like, Ruby Pearl, which is kind of just, like, two gems. Um, But also, it's, like... Color and then Pearl. geological thing. I don't know. There's a ship on Lost called the Black Rock. Just saying. Oh, I was thinking it was like like the Black Pearl from Pirates of the Caribbean. Maybe. Yeah. Probably that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Percival says that they all came to the new world because people there left the old world for a variety of reasons. We never learned the reasons. Yeah. I thought it was that they were all prisoners or something, but no, these are sure. That's the Black Rock from Lost. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah. They founded the first colonies by Sweetwater River, and Percival was among the early settlers, mm-hmm. which means Percival indeed is immortal like I thought he was. Wow. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Alongside Percival were Asher Andrews, mm-hmm. Blessing Cooper, James Jones, and Charity Blossom. Who has Did a they goat? not think through James Jones? I guess not. I guess not. Woof. Okay. <laughs> I am also convinced that Cole wasn't there. Um, he wasn't. Because you don't, you see everybody else's face except for his when they're talking about their ancestor. And then in the Council of Four, when you see them all together, he just has this giant beard. And I'm like, okay, so he wasn't there. I mean, he has too many other things to do. This yeah, he's, he had yeah. a packed episode, actually. But it's so funny when, like... It was just so clearly not him. It's the end of the season. They're running out of money. Stick a double in a beard and yeah. call it a day. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a stand-in. So those four build up Sweetwater Village and Percival pursues witchcraft and sorcery. Cute. You know, everyone has a hobby. So while everyone else slept, Percival would go into the woods to perform magic. He was in the middle of sacrificing a girl from their settlement. Britta. Britta. When he's interrupted by Asher, who is like, oh my god, you're a friggin' psychopath wizard dude. And so they try him. Yeah. And he is going to be executed. Executed? The word executed makes me feel like it's very quick. And then, yeah. so what they do is doesn't feel like execution No, they to me. Se- they put him in a stockade and they leave him to die. Yeah. Which, like, he was sacrificing Britta, so whatever. I guess I get it. Um, But, like, of course, you know, a couple episodes ago when he was like, ah, it wasn't my first time in the stockade. Or, like, I've been in a stockade before. Then they show it. So that was very good. I thought that they brought back the thing that they said that was mysterious before. Exactly. Great. So Percival was sacrificing Britta, slash not Britta, to yeah. try and summon the devil. He was interrupted, so obviously it didn't work, but apparently it was enough to get Lucifer himself's attention. Mm-hmm. So Lucifer shows up and he's like, hey, what happened here? Yeah. And Percival's like, they left me to die. Also, do you want to make a deal? And Lucifer's like, yeah, that's cool. Sure. Yeah. Um, Give me your soul. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay. Yeah, all right. I didn't really have one anyway. Sure. So he made a deal with the devil, which we've learned from um, Rivervale. Never a great idea. Not great. So Percival tells Alice that, yeah, he got immortality from the devil. Yeah, it's like weird because he talks about how he's like, I also got immortality from that. But then later when Jughead and Tabitha talk to the devil, he's just like, and he somehow made a deal that he could get immortality and that's how he got away from me. And I'm just like, weren't you the one who gave him immortality? Like yeah, that? that's the confusing part. Yeah. Because Percival wanted to live, mm-hmm. and he had the talent of witchcraft, mm-hmm. so he gave his soul, and in exchange he gets to live forever? That's just the deal. Well, the other th- part of the deal was that he got to, that was that he got him out of the stockade. He said freedom and immortality so, for his soul, I guess. Okay, so he doesn't have a, so, so eventually the devil gets his soul, but he doesn't have it now, I guess? Right, exactly. The The devil gets his soul when he dies. But the devil just seemed very uh, confused by this deal. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, But you were right. Yeah, I uh, was right. You And you called that early. Yeah, I was like, oh, this man is too old. Yeah. He talks too old-timey. Mm-hmm. He's he's new here. It was very good. I wish that we had gotten to hear KJ or Lily or Mads talk in a British accent, then we could a little do a little laugh about that. That would have been really cute. <laughs> Apparently, Apparently. Per- Percival left Sweetwater Village, which eventually became River... I guess River Vale. Yeah. Because he is actually from River Vale. Mm-hmm. He spent 400 years going from town to town to acquire forbidden knowledge. Mm-hmm. You might need to go outside of America for more of that. Yeah. I don't know. It's just a thought. Whatever. But yeah, so he wanted to conquer River Vale and Alice is like, 
what the hell is River Vale? We are in Riverdale. You idiot. And Percival is like, <laughs> so get this. I'm from an alternate dimension. And Alice is just like sitting there like, huh. I can't believe that he was sure. like, I'm going to say this on television in front of everyone. And like, I know that he's like the mayor and everyone like likes him or something. But like, if I was watching that, I'd be like, this guy has This guy is unwell. It. This guy is unwell. Yeah. yeah. Like he yeah. just expects everybody to be like, okay, we believe you. Yep. Which they probably do, but whatever. So here's basically what happened. Percival was headed back to River Vale. To take revenge. To take revenge. And he hears an explosion. And the town sign switches from Riverdale to River, River Vale to Riverdale. Yes. So he's like, oh my God, during the explosion, I stepped through a rift. New town to conquer. Perfect. And no one knows who I am. And I'm powerful, more powerful than everybody. Exactly, because no one here has magic. I have magic. But then I realized that other people were getting magic. And those people, they were the descendants of the people who sentenced me to death. What the hell? So now, just like Cheryl at the beginning of this season, (laughs) I'm going to get, or I guess Abigail, I am going to get revenge on these people who didn't really have that much to do with what happened to me. Yeah. Because not only are they descendants, but they're also from a different universe. They're literally alternate people. Yeah. The the interesting thing that Percival says that I think, in terms of believability, I'm like, yeah, you could, you could sell me that, yeah. is that when he stepped through the veil, some of the arcane sort of witchcraft and energy of the very supernatural River Vale leaked into Riverdale. And that's yeah. why everyone started developing powers. Okay. Sure. You know what? In terms of explanations, it's not stupid enough for me to hate it. Yeah. It's fine. I kind of liked the other one that he gave better, though. Which one? Which was that maybe the universe just wanted the fight to be a little bit more fair. And like that, yeah. you know, I just like like that as a concept. I like that, too. I mean, it's sort of, is it hand-waving away things? Yes. Absolutely. But like, hey, But it was a really not? cool kind of moment and a cool line. And so I was like, ooh, I like it. I agree. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that Percival points out is because he's had his powers longer and Bailey's, Bailey's comet, comet is yeah. arriving, he's going to be like extra powerful yeah. soon. Yeah. And so Alice seems, like, not super into it. Like, she looks yeah. like really, like, oh, you know, she's, like, super... It's kind of cool, because Majin, I don't know how they wrote it for Alice to be reacting, but Majin does play it as if all of this is making mm-hmm. her a little uncomfortable. Right, and then so, then afterwards, you know, she seems really uncomfortable, and then, you know, at the end of the last episode in the story, or the last scene in the storyline, yeah. you know, she's just like, oh, I guess we'll go to this execution, blah. And then the only other time that we see her this episode is at the end, which we haven't talked about. So if you We're haven't- We're about to get there, don't worry. You, but if you haven't um, seen the episode yet, we won't spoil it yet. But, um, you know, we see her in that picture at the end. And so it's like, so was she not- I'm, I'm confused about that I picture at the end. We'll I, talk about that yeah, at the end. Okay. We'll talk about that. So Alice asked Percival what his vision of Riverdale will look like under his rulership. Yes. And instead of answering that right away, he says, you know, back when we were sailing over in this alternate universe that has nothing to do with this universe, Mm -hmm. the people and the sailors, they wanted prosperity and they had hopes and dreams. They wanted freedom and opportunity. And I thought, what a load of crap. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, he says that like humans will always corrupt good things. So he wants to just rule however he wants and just give in to the dark side of humanity and just have everyone be either evil or um, under his subjugation. Yeah. I hate to make this about Lost again, but it is kind of similar to the Black Rock, which is when the Black Rock came to the, to the island, mm-hmm. um, which is season six stuff 
or I guess it's kind of end of season five stuff. So I won't say too much, obviously. Um, but when we finally see how the Black Rock got to the island, there are two characters who are the personification of good and evil. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's obviously gray spaces in between those and like who actually is in the right and all these things. But one of the, the man who's wearing black says, They come, fight, they destroy, they corrupt. It always ends the same. It only ends once. Anything that happens before that, just progress. So I love that Percival is also being like humans are bad, bad, bad. Mm. And then so there's also the argument of it's just progress. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also I feel the need to point out that Percival genuinely wants to call Riverdale the sovereign state of, of Percival. Percival. And I'm like, is that a, a is that a hyperbole or do you actually want to call it that? I'm like concerned that that's what he wants to call it. Yikes. Yeah. Okay. Also, he wants to control the dead. Yeah, he's like everything. I don't think the dead are going to be cool with that. I'm going to no. be honest with they you. They got their own thing to do. We've literally already seen that the dead are very willful. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. That's that story. That's Percival and Alice in their bonkers interview where basically yeah. we're told he's immortal from another universe and he wants to conquer this one so that bad things can happen. I know. It's a classic bad guy motive. Yeah. It's like basically he's actually, you know what? This is smart because instead of having him in the last episode where they're like about to defeat him, do his big bad guy monologue where he explains everything. Yeah, they put it way before. They're doing it ahead of time so that things can go faster later. And I actually think that's really smart. No, I, I, that's why I gave this episode like a toot in terms of like the story rollout, because Mm -hmm. it's a good structure of here's my dastardly plan, but it's in an interview style. Mm -hmm. The people who are watching the interview have all been enchanted. So he can say Say whatever he wants. Bonkers things. And it's viable as an audience, because we know that the people watching it in universe are being brainwashed into believing it Uh anyway. So is it insane? Yes, but it's entertaining insane. Yeah, I also really like the part where at the end he's just like, I know that like sounds bad and like kind of evil, yeah. but I'm just being honest, right? And Alice is like, oh boy. And that's like <laughs> what every pessimistic like person is yes. like, hey, it's it's not mean if it's honest. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. It's you being a dick. Yeah, it's yeah. bad. It's, yeah. it's, it's you not being able to have any hope or light in your life because your soul is friggin' rotten. Mm-hmm. So... I, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So the the um the continuation of that will happen in the other storyline, and so we're gonna move on to the Rivervale stuff, and mm-hmm. Brittany handled that as well. I'm so okay. First of all, I just want to say at the top of this, I loved this storyline. Yeah, it was um, fun. This storyline, I think, was the strongest in terms of, like, the shenanigans. Yeah. And I think that Jughead and Tabitha, because they get their own, like, little side quest, those actors are just, they're really great together. Yeah. And Tabitha continues to be one of the best characters on the show. Yeah. So Jughead hang out in the bunker where Jughead finally tells his theory that he apparently needed to wait two minutes in showtime to tell. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah. So basically in the, in the first scene, he's just like, I have a plan, but it's in the early stages. So I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, isn't it good to sort of get everything out in the open with everybody? But okay. No, here's the thing. If you'd left that line out, Everything would have still played the same. Yeah. But also then we would have been like, well, why didn't Jughead tell them about his plan? Because they go into the bunker and he says, I only wanted to tell you this. Yeah, that's fair. That's it. It's yeah. so fun. It's it's goofy. All okay. Right. So Jughead thinks that he's actually able to open up portals into other dimensions. Right. And that's actually what most mind readers are, yes. I guess. He apparently in his studies, he came across theories that mind readers are actually opening up portals into psychic landscapes. So 
with his powers kind of doing some weird crap, it's kind of possible that he can open up portals into other dimensions. I think it's so funny that all season they've been like, Jughead, can you do this? And he'd be like, let me do some research. And he'd be like, shoo boop boop yes! And then he could do it, like, now, and he's just like, okay, well, they need me to know more things and do more power, so let me just shoo boop boop yep, portals now! I swear, like, <laughs> his actual power is being able to read and absorb and then be perfect at the thing that he's about I'm to I'm like, try. how are you doing all of this research... With no practice. And also doing other stuff. And no practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, he doesn't even try and open like a baby portal. He's mm-hmm. just like, yeah, I'm Doctor Strange. And just right. goes straight through it. And so then, like, I know you're about to mention this, yeah. but like, Tabitha's like, oh, you know, we thought Tabitha was a time traveler, but she's actually an angel, right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, for some reason I thought she was a time traveler and an angel. <laughs> but I guess it's just that she's been an angel this whole time. I also thought that until yeah. you just said that. Yeah, but he says... That she, we thought she was a time traveler, but she's actually an angel. And she's been an angel. No, I think time. the implication is both. I don't think so. Because she has a power. Well, he says some mind readers are just opening portals to people's minds. So it's actually a portal opener instead of a mind reader. But ta- just like how Tabitha thought she was a time traveler, oh but she's God. actually an angel. That's what he said. Okay, well, Tabitha clearly got the craziest power, though. Because if you're yeah. an angel, you can do anything. anything. That makes sense. Yeah. Tabitha is magical. I agree. You know what? That's how she keeps paying for things. That's it. We have solved it. It's that she's an angel. Yeah. Infinite money. So good things just keep happening. Because she wants to do good things. Yeah. Oh my god, we're so smart. Yeah. So anyway, as Robin just said, their their power showed up after the explosion at Archie's. Jughead says that there must be uh, a connection between the explosion happening and Percival arriving, Mm -hmm. which he does turn out to be correct about that. Yeah. But he needs to, basically they need to go somewhere to find the answers to that. Where shall they go? I love Tabitha's thing where she's like, wait, you want to go to an alternate dimension? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, okay, we're kind of worried about things in this dimension right now, so... But then, like, the part where he just looks at her and he's like, do you want to go dimension hopping with me or something? It's very sweet. It's very Doctor Who romance. I was just going to say, like, I would love a spinoff of Jughead and Tabitha bopping around the universe of... Because it's literally alternate universes and time. Yeah. You're right, it is Doctor Who. Yeah. But they're both the Doctor and both the Companion. Yeah. It's, they're such a good duo. It's so great. So Jughead does open a portal to another dimension. Mm-hmm. And then he says the worst line. Um, It's actually the best line because it's a song. Because it's... I know. Um, It's extremely funny. Jughead I, unironically says, Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's... It's so stupid, it's funny. It's It's so good. I wish that they had sung that song. That would have been amazing. I feel like, like, for some reason, I'm like, oh, they did. That was Mad World. Yeah, it was Mad World. Tabitha and Jughead head over to Rivervale. Incredible. And they meet Rivervale Jughead. Yeah, well, one of the Rivervale. Well, sorry, yes. Yes, One of the Jugheads. And... He's so funny. I love him. Like, this man is just like, he. you can very much tell he's been alone a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. So our Jughead tells Riverdale Jughead, hey, you've been stealing my stories. Mm-hmm. And other Jughead is like, no, no. actually, um, I was just stealing things that I overheard from Rivervale. So, ha, uh, uh. No, you've been stealing from me. Yeah. So other Jughead, d- wait, our Jughead, this is so confusing. Yeah. Our Juggy tells other Juggy and Tabitha, nope. <laughs> Jughead in a bathrobe tells Jughead in the classic Jughead jacket... Yeah, well, okay, so here's what happens in this scene, guys. Yeah. The alternate Jughead gives our team a rundown of how the conjoined universe has happened and everything that happened in the five-episode arc yeah. where they separated and why he had to be locked down in the bunker, mm-hmm. which is he has to keep writing the story of Rivervale in yeah. order to keep Rivervale powered. And River and Jughead says, wow, so you're like kind of a, I think he says a 
battery or something? Yeah, something like that. He, I think they, they said he's that. He's a living something. battery. Yeah. And so that would make a man go insane. Yeah. Th- this is so confusing because there are three Jugheads. Yeah. In this show now. Luckily, there's only two at a time in yeah. every scene. But so one of the reasons why I think I love this episode so much and I love this version of Jughead so much and it just gave me like such a feeling of nostalgia because I felt like Cole was doing all of these over-exaggerated facial expressions and all of his over-exaggerating uh, with his hands and everything. And it felt very Disney Channel to me. Yeah. So I was watching it and I was just like, he's really channeling Cody in this moment, who yeah. is his character on Sweet Life, obviously, um, by doing all of these like over-exaggerated things that you would sort of do in more of a kid's show. And so I just felt like such a feeling of nostalgia watching him do that because I was just like, that's my friend Cody it right there. It was really cool. And you could tell he was actually having a good time. It mm-hmm. was a fun acting challenge. Yeah. And I enjoyed watching it. Yeah, it was really fun. I really like that Jughead. So alternate Jughead explains that he was just going to borrow Riverdale Jughead stories. Yeah. And then he was like, uh, but you borrowed those stories from Rivervale. He was like, I wanted inspiration and then I got them and it's just Rivervale I mean, again. I mean, it's just, it's all the same thing. So thanks for nothing. But of course, then the portal's closed. Yeah. So alternate Jughead says, oh, um, so what's, basically, why the why, hell are why you are here? You why, what are you doing in, what are you doing in my swamp? Mm-hmm. The other two explain Percival. Yeah. Say, hey, there's this guy. He's basically terrorizing our universe. Can we go look in the Blossom Archives for some answers? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why would you assume the Blossom Archives exist in Rivervale? Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, alternate Jughead says, um, yeah, no, you can't go anywhere, uh, because causality and and like, i don't go anywhere why should you get to like you can't talk to your alternate selves you'll mess up the whole flow of time yeah and he also says that not since the great forgetting which was really fun i'm just like everyone else forgot so you're the only one who calls it that yeah they they basically say oh <laughs> yeah by awful. the way conveniently no one remembers anything that happened yeah. and any of the bad things so everything's fine here and that regular Jughead is up there and he's living his best life and I'm down here being a rat man. Exactly. Our Jughead says, well, Rivervale has been bleeding and wreaking havoc in Riverdale. So we have to go up. There is no choice. We're going. And the only thing that alternate Jughead says is just don't talk to your alternate selves. Yeah. And try not to be seen with them or else people are going to get confused and scared. Yeah. And before they leave, alternate Jughead does inform them, oh yeah, by the way, Cheryl isn't Cheryl, she's Nana Rose, who actually is in is in Cheryl's body, but it's not Cheryl because it was Abigail's body because she's immortal. Yeah. Just FYI, just a heads <laughs> up, besties, just letting you know. Yeah. So Jughead and Tabitha arrive at Thornhill, where they find Britta! Yeah. In her little outfit. She, yeah, she's- In her she's, little Rivervale outfit. Exactly. And they're like, hey, can we look at the Blossom Archives? And Britta's like, no, they're at Highsmith. And I'm like, oh, okay, so you guys should just go to Highsmith? Yeah. And but they said no. No. It's too far away. They want to talk to Nana Rose. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing about Nana Rose. Nana Rose put her own consciousness in Abigail's body. But apparently transferring that also transferred her, like, like, she got a new body, but not a new brain. Yeah. So her brain is now suffering from dementia. So Cheryl's, Abigail's body is basically a shell. And there's a, she has dementia. Yeah. So Tabitha's like, well, uh, what do we do now? And Jughead's like, well, what if I go inside her brain? Mm-hmm. And I'm it like. It's actually Tabitha's idea. It is Tabitha's yeah. idea. And I'm like, okay, but this is a really bad idea because she has dementia. Yeah. Dementia is the brain actually like shrinking and mm-hmm. breaking down. This is not going to work because those memories, it's not like they're not inaccessible. They're just not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So Jughead then goes in, mm-hmm. opens up one of the little Rosie comic books, which was little, super cute. Rosie, and also there's a cat on the desk? Yeah. No idea. Whose cat I, is this? I have no idea. I have no memory of this cat. If anyone remembers this cat, please let me know. I'm yeah. interested. But 
There's nothing there. The pages yeah. are blank. There's, it's dusty. It falls apart. Yeah. There's no Her mind there. is not salvageable. Before they leave, Britta asks Jughead to sign her super teen comic. Mm-hmm. So narrator Jughead, which is the Jughead topside, not Bunker Jughead. Yeah. The third Jughead, if you will. He writes comic books about a group of superheroes who basically are, River- are Riverdale characters. Yeah. They all have superpowers. It's all the same superpowers. And they have an arch nemesis whose name is Percy the Perverse. Yes, he, um, also the cover, I looked at the cover for a while and it's very cool. Yeah. Um, I do think it's weird that Britta hasn't gotten Jughead to sign her comics before now because she, like, knows him personally. She knows him personally and she knows where he writes. Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so she's Um, like, hey, sign this, and then Jughead's like, hey, here's a weird question, do I still do all my writing at Pops? And she's like, um... And she does not question what a weird question that is. Well, she looks at him weird, she's just like, uh, yes, I I guess. Yeah, of course you do. But when you look at the illustration, Archie's says P on the front of his costume, which makes sense because we've been talking all about how he's Pure Heart the Powerful, which is the um, yeah. superhero version of Archie. We've been talking about that for seasons. Um, but Betty says ST on it. That's probably also a superhero Archie thing. I probably should have looked it up, but I didn't. Tabitha says T. Cheryl's has a little fire oh, like, emoji cute. on it. And Jugs has something as well. It's not a letter. It's like a illustration like a little drawing but i couldn't tell what it was okay uh because he was always like at a the wrong angle for me to be able to see but thought that was pretty cool so jugatha roll up to pops and they're like hey remember we're not supposed to talk to our alternate selves because that's bad that's literally what jughead's about to do he has to do that yeah tabitha comes out with uh, comes up with an idea to distract other tabitha so that she doesn't interrupt while the two jugheads talk Mm -hmm. so she actually lures her outside and traps her in a time loop Yes, I sure hope that they remembered to take Free them her. out or take her out of that. Yikes. Oh, and while Tabitha's doing that, apparently Jughead needs to take other Jughead to their apartment, uh-huh. their haunted apartment. Oh, okay. Interesting. Archie's super teens, like it's called super teens. Oh, ST, um, super teens. Oh, that's probably what it is. Okay. Pure Heart the Powerful super teen is created by Betty. She's ST, super teen. Jughead is Captain Hero. Just a lot of what it is. Veronica's has a V in it. Her She's called Miss Vanity. Oh. Okay, well, that answers it. But I like that, you know, yes, or last episode, they brought in the Madhouse Glads, and those were real. Yeah. And Super Teens is also real, too. I, I like that a lot. It's cool. Go it's on. just, it's such deep Archieverse lore. I know. Like, I'm looking at this, and I'm on a Wikipedia page called Alternate Universes in Archie, in, like, the Archie comics, and I'm just like, we thought this was so weird, but in reality... Archie it Comics is. has been doing alternate universes forever. Well, like, I this mean, makes sense. It comics makes are sense. insane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just interesting to me that they did such a deep cut reference. Yeah. It's like they got really bored of regular Riverdale mm-hmm. and they were like, well, let's just do the bonkers storyline. Right. Which, yeah, why not? Yeah. So while Tabitha is trapped into time loop, other Tabitha, mm-hmm. Jughead takes other Jughead back to their apartment, as they said. Or Tabitha takes other Jughead. Yes. yes. Sorry. Sorry. No. They explained that the comics that narrator Jughead is writing are influencing Riverdale. And he fully immediately believes it. He's just yeah. like, yeah, I totally believe in the multiverse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that basically jug all Jugheads have the power to create things by writing and drawing. Yeah. So cool. Which it's very cool. I think this one, I would argue that narrator Jughead, like this third Jughead, has to be the most powerful though. Mm. Because where the other two were kind of just like riffing off of each other and sort of stealing each other's ideas, he was coming up with all new stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And he's the one who can clearly, like, he draws his own comics. Yeah. I think Jughead and Heaven did actually draw them himself as well. Yeah. 
It's like clearly Jughead has the uh, the power to sort of like manifest these things. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of, they ask him, where did you get the inspiration for the comics? Because like, why the hell are we superheroes? Mm-hmm. He was like, I don't know. I just, I thought it was cool. And all the powers that you guys thought got fit your characters. Don't you think so? And I'm I like, th- yeah, you're right. I thought this moment was so funny that it was like basically Roberto being like, Yes, um, well, these powers that I chose were very smart because... (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? That's fair. He's literally the narrator. It makes sense that I guess he would come through as him. Yeah. Sure. The big question is, where the hell did Percy come from? Yeah. And Jughead explains he came from a recurring nightmare. Uh Okay. Here's here's where the, the ball drops, though. Jughead asks, okay, well, how do we defeat him? And other Jughead reveals that, actually, they don't defeat him. They're all murdered because... He wanted to be the greatest comic book writer in the world, so he made a deal with the devil. Uh The only thing that he can write are tragedies. Yeah. He cannot write things that bring people joy. He can only write stories that will darken the universe and the world. Cute. Um, Yep. So are you the best comic book writer in the world? But if all of your stories make people feel bad and sad? I mean, I guess... But I think that's an in- that's a fucking fascinating commentary on what people find to be compelling and good works mm. is they can only be good and critically acclaimed if they're tragedies, mm. which I have maintained for years is complete bull. Yeah. And it's just grim, dark, like, yeah, crap. Yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones messed up how people watch TV. Mm-hmm. Jughead reveals that he was offered the deal by the devil who is actually Mr. Cypher. And Tabitha's like, my guardian angel warned me about that guy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I mean, where is he? And he's like, oh, he's at the Babylonian playing uh, chess. It's the ultimate battle of good and, uh, ultimate battle of good and evil. Yeah. Sure. No- normal stuff. Normal Why stuff. Why not? And, like, it's funny that he has a suite in the Babylonium when we know that Percy has a suite yep. in the Babylonium. I'm like... <laughs> I'm still, I still wonder when the Babylonium became like a hotel. Yeah, it or was like a, a apartment building. It was you just know? a casino, and now it's a hotel and casino. Right. I don't know. And it's been a hotel and a casino for a while. I just wonder when that happened. You yeah, know? I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So Jugatha do go to the Babylonium, where they find Mr. Cipher and Raphael playing chess. Uh-huh. Of course, because it's Riverdale, Mr. Cipher wins. Yep. And Veronica's the one who's yeah. like, yay! Veronica because- comes in for five seconds mm-hmm. in this universe to say, hey, the devil's the winner! Yeah, because if you remember from the Mr. Cipher episode of Rivervale, he and Veronica are working together yeah. now. But Veronica doesn't do anything else in this universe no, except it. that. Yeah. It's really weird. Yeah, Veronica's wasted that- in this universe. Well, I mean, it may- we can't see everybody. We don't see Betty at all. That's true. Or Archie, so can't see everybody. No, I just mean in general. Mm. Like, oh, even in Rivervale, that Veronica got the short end of the story yeah, that's trick. True. Yeah. So Jughead and Tabitha break into Mr. Cypher's room, and they wait for him to show up. You'd think that the devil might have better security. You'd think so. Yeah. It, it, well, he's the devil. He doesn't need it. I guess that's true. Yeah. Mr. Cypher want, uh, is like, hey, um, why are you in my room? And they're like, well, we want to talk about how um, there's this comic book that keeps dictating the future, and you made a deal with some guy named Percy, and he's like, oh my god, that little shit. Yeah. I did indeed make a deal with him back in the day, and he thought he could get around me by making himself immortal, and I and would I'm- never get his soul. And I'm like, but you made him immortal. Yeah. Are we misunderstanding? If we're misunderstanding, please let me know. But, like, I thought that Percy had said that he, the deal that he made was for his freedom and for immortality. So yep. it's weird that the devil is like, and somehow now he's immortal. Yep. And I'm like, uh, wasn't it you who did that? But, yep. Okay. Apparently, I, my, my perception of this was that the devil finds Percy to be an interesting if irritating challenge. Right. 
You know, like he's definitely not his biggest fish to fry, but he is one that if he has an opportunity, he will try and defeat him. Yeah. So the devil says, yeah, he sold his soul and he was one of the founding fathers. So now Jugga and Tabitha have that information as well. Right. He's not the first person to try and say, oh, immortality will get me out of having to give up my soul. But he is the first to hide in another dimension in order to not pay his debt. Yeah. Uh, I think this impresses the devil, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So he says, actually, though, I can't get more involved. Them's the rules. There's cosmic rules. And I'm like, since when does the devil respect the rules made by others? Who knows? The whole, your whole thing is f*** the rules. Mm -hmm. You're the devil. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So Tabitha's like, you know what? It's fine because we stalled Percival. We moved Pop's chocolate shop. (laughs) Mr. Cypher's like, oh, you guys are stupid. He said, uh, that's actually what he wanted you to do. Yeah. Jughead actually reads his mind and he's like, oh, you guys are clowns. And then Jughead's like, sorry, why are we clowns? Yeah. (laughs) And Mr. Cypher's like, okay, so here's here's the exposition here, Mm -hmm. bud. It's not the diner that is the whole thing. It's the land underneath it. Yeah. Because that's where Percival was left to die. And that's where I met him and that's where we made our deal. So all you've done, actually, is cleared the way for him to build his stupid ghost train to the Hellmouth. Yeah. And Tabitha's like, uh-oh. And they're like, what the hell is a Hellmouth? And he's like, well, back in the day, churches were built over Hellmouths to contain the dark forces underneath. And I'm like, that's the plot of the nun. But also, I think it's so funny. They're like, yes, churches are built over Hellmouths. And I'm like, and so they built Pops, which is not a church. Over a Hellmouth. But it's like a place of goodness, goodness and happiness, yeah. I guess. So I think I think it's sweet. I think I think because Tabitha is an angel, it, it's sort of like the Church of Pops, right? Which I like that religion before I'd like any others. Yeah. So why not? Pops was also supposed to contain the dark forces, like that was its intention. Yeah. But then they moved the diner, so they've actually just made Percival stronger. Congratulations. Cool. It's very funny because I think that this actually does neatly tie up all the stuff that we did before. Like I feel like there was a roadmap for some of this, which is rare. Yeah. So all right. I do, like, for how crazy the season was, there were quite a lot of toots in it, and I I think that ultimately it was, like, it's definitely fun to watch. It's stupid, but it's fun. Yeah. And that's what Riverdale is. Riverdale is junk food. Yeah. It's not good for you, but it's fun. Yeah, exactly. So Jagatha referred, returned to the bunker, and all... But all anyway, so Jagatha returned to the bunker. I can't talk, but let's just keep going. Jagatha returned to the bunker. We've got alternate universe Jughead and Ethel. Uh-huh. And actually, Shannon Purser was serving in this scene, actually. She is just incandescent with rage. Mm-hmm. She she explains, like, hey, like, this is why it's split. There should be a clean break. Why the hell are you here? Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Angry Ethel is the best Ethel. I think this is yeah. Shannon's best work on Riverdale. I completely agree. Yeah. So Ethel actually figures out what happened here. She said the break should have been clean between the universes, but it wasn't, which means they're bleeding into each other because the something went wrong what went wrong and veil jughead is clearly like he's like starting to shrink away yeah and they're like okay well what did archie and betty say about the explosion and jughead's like oh yeah betty said that she got a phone call and that person told them to get out of the house before they died and ethel's like i'm gonna kill you because she figures out of course alternate jughead called betty to save her life Mm -hmm. and then she gets really upset and i think there's supposed to be a little bit of jealousy here of like you're so obsessed with your ex you're so obsessed with betty you ruined the universe because you were trying to save her life 
And, and Jughead, Jughead's like, she's also, like, my friend. Yeah, and also, I was also trying to save Archie, who's my best friend. So, yeah. like, sorry that... Like, sorry that I valued their lives. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. So, because alternate Jughead had compassion and love for his friends, the universes are colliding back together. Yeah. Okay. So, Jughead's like, hmm, that sounds like you problem. Bye! Yeah, and they later. open a portal and head back home. Thanks for your info. <laughs> Bye-bye now. They literally leave Ethel hollering at him. It's yeah. very funny. Uh, yeah, so they just head back to the Dale and they're like, that was weird. Well, let's go head to the other storyline sh- to update everyone on what happened. Yeah, we sure did uh, learn a lot of really weird stuff. Yeah. Okay. And uh, then they have to go do superpower things. Yeah. Um, but those were our two storylines. And then now we have the ones where everything else happens. But before then, I'll quickly talk to you about Patreon, if you don't mind too terribly. Yeah, all right. It is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash Um, And it is a monthly thing. $1 a month gets you early access to every single podcast. $2 is our Discord server. Uh, $5 is 10% off at some small businesses, mine, Brittany's, and our lost co-host, Casey's. Casey girl. $10 a month is our Patreon-only podcast. Okay, love you. Hi! And uh, we talk for about 45 minutes every two weeks about whatever our listeners want to hear about and whatever we want to talk about. And um, it's just funsies. It's another, it's a good way to, like, get to know us as people when we're not talking about TV. You know? Yeah, it. Yeah, it's basically a look into um, the nonsense we get up to and the random crap we talk about people seem to like it a lot so I, would, I would hope so i recommend it um if you can't do that maybe just check out some of our small businesses those are in the description and you can support us while getting something cool out of it and uh other than that just recommend us to a friend that is free and we'd really appreciate it thanks i make enamel pins you guys should look at them they're super cute yeah. so it is the eve of war apparently and i'm like is it which war <laughs> but also like they're like it's the eve of war doesn't that mean like the day before but it feels like they're going into more days, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a phrase. They say that Percy didn't know that they're back from the dead, so they're using that to their advantage, obviously. Um, and he still doesn't, as far as I understand. By the end of the episode, he still doesn't know that Jughead and Archie, etc., are alive. Yeah, he does think he's vanquished his foes, yeah. who uh, now understand why they're his foes, and I bet they think it's unfair. Yeah. So they say, what do we even know about this guy? We learn, or like, we know that his powers are getting stronger as the comet gets closer. We know that he's trying to do this ghost train thing, but we're not exactly sure how he is using it. But and then hey, we, we'll learn. Weirdo. And what we'll, we'll learn this episode. Um, and also that he sees a baby as a threat. He's very threatened by this baby. He's very threatened by this baby. Yeah. Um, he and this baby have mad beef. Yeah, exactly. And it will only... Kate, but like, I was trying to explain to some of my friends on Twitter the plot of what's been happening here. Uh-huh. And it's that a gay demon yeah. has beef with a gay baby... Yeah. Who was made by two outstanding bisexuals who are also gang members. Uh, yeah. And who are friends with superheroes. Yep. Seems right to me. It's Riverdale! So we also know that his family has a long history in, Rick- in Riverdale, but there is no record of Percival in the Pickens family in the Blossom archives. What does this guy want? Does he want the apocalypse? And they say that maybe he does want the apocalypse, but only if he doesn't win. And of course, the reason they're not in the archives is because he's run- not from this universe. Exactly. So why did our powers show up when he did? Um, yeah, Jughead says he has a theory, but he doesn't want to talk about it yet. And I think it's probably good wait, to get everything out on the table. But wait a minute, there is a history of his family, wasn't there? A There's a history statue. That, no, that, that's what they're saying. There's a history of his family. There's no history of him. Okay. Yeah, I misunderstood. My apologies. And um, so we need to figure out something, but we need to like make it seem chill for now. Like we are like we're figuring it out under like behind the scenes, but we need to seem like everything is back to normal or something to him. 
And also, everyone, just um, be cool. We didn't die. Yeah. So Veronica says, okay, I'm going to go to the casino. And Veronica's out of the plot line for a bit. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in the kitchen, Cheryl tells Betty to please come to Thornhill because someone you care about wants to talk to you. And Betty's like, huh? What? Who? And I'm like, um, aren't your niece and nephew living there right now? Maybe them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why know? is no one worried about the twins? I don't know. Um, and she's like, also, don't tell anybody about this. And then I assume that she tells her about Polly so that she'll come. Yeah. Veronica I, gets- I love good guy Cheryl, just by the way. Yes, I agree. Uh, Veronica gets to the casino. I'm waiting. Sorry. Back to the other thing. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop, though. Oh, it's going to. Because we know that Jason is also in, like, next episode as well. Like, he's, co- like, they're continuing to be here. I expected them to, like, immediately be gone again. And yeah. they, they're making it several episodes before they're killing off Jason and Polly again, I assume. Which I, is crazy. Jason has been dead for too long. Yeah. There's something that's very wrong with him. Yeah, I agree. Also, you know, his... Ugh. If I were him, I'd be so mad at Cheryl. She stuffed his body and, yeah. like, drove it around, and there was, like, a haunted doll of him at one point. I don't know. Well, that was Julian, Brittany. Oh, right. Yeah. So, sorry, that was Julian. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. So, Veronica gets to the casino, and, you know, the kitchen, I guess, ran out of knives and are using the guillotines to cut lettuce. So, <laughs> for some reason, like... I don't know. What? I can't but like... <laughs> they're like, okay, we need to show her that they're guillotines. What can we cut? Head of lettuce. Uh. Sure. <laughs> so Tom and Frank are here and they say, hey, uh, go away. You're not the owner anymore. And she's like, okay, well, this is clearly Reggie's fault. Where's Reggie? He's busy being a hostage and Percival's also busy. And uh, so then they threaten to kill her if she doesn't leave. And she's like, okay, bye. How is it so easy for them to take over? It's so funny. I know. Well, I think it was Dave who mentioned on the Discord was just like, okay, but even if he's like the new CEO, she still owns the property. Yeah, she's, yeah. So, yeah. Being the landowner is actually probably the most important thing there. Yeah, and this kind of goes into like the note that I had last episode, which is like how, I mean, I guess it was a secret, but like, how do you do that if the the person who is the in charge doesn't even know? Like, anyway, I'm not going to pretend to know. It's a hostile takeover, I think. I think that's what you're supposed to. Yeah. It's Riverdale. I don't know. So Betty goes to Thornhill and she sees Polly and immediately passes out. Um, She saw like an aura of goodness or sainthood or something around Polly. Which is interesting because normally the only thing that Betty ever sees is negative auras. Exactly. Not sure. So I, she didn't see an aura around anyone else who'd come back from the dead. And I'd be interested to see if she was, if she saw one around Tabitha, who is literally an angel. Yeah, but she seems to only see it around Polly, which implies that Polly, I mean, of course, later there is a scene that directly implies it, but Polly is Jesus. Right, or like an angel also or something. Y'all, I'm no, I'm not joking. No, the 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 scene that's coming up is basically the implication that Polly is Jesus. There you go. So hey, it's Riverdale. Yeah. So speaking of Betty's in bed because she like passed out on the ground and Polly shows up and she's like, Is it really you? And it's yes, so they hug, and Betty says she's really sorry because they were fighting and that she was a bad sister and that she couldn't save her. And I bet it's That would be a hard guilt to carry. Well, I bet it's so cathartic for her to finally tell her and to be forgiven as well. Like, I can't even imagine, like, what a weight that would be off your shoulders, even though when she does forgive her, Betty still doesn't forgive herself. I just can't imagine having to live with that, like, thinking... That it was your fault. Yeah. Yeah. So Polly says, it's okay, all the pain is gone now, you know, you didn't hurt me, it's no apology, you shouldn't be apologizing. Betty says still that she feels like it was her fault that Polly died. Polly forgives her even though she doesn't feel like she needs to be forgiven. Betty's like, I'm the harlot and I can't get into heaven. And Polly goes, and I quote, who said that? I mean, (laughs) what a 
fair question. <laughs> I know, it was so funny. She's Paula like, was like, who, who even said ta- that? Who, who have you been talking to? That's yeah. just literally not true. She's like, it doesn't matter. And Betty's like, okay, but yes, it does matter because I feel that way about myself. And Polly says, listen, been there, but you're actually so much better than that. You need to let it go. Betty talks about how she has too much darkness. And Polly promises her that she's a good person. The thing is, so Sabrina is the person who told her this, yes? Yes. Why would Sabrina tell her that if it didn't matter an episode later? So that Veronica had to go in to see Archie. Okay. I mean, that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. And I actually have, like, a theory about this later at the end of the episode when, like, the twist happens. Yeah, because there has to be something more to this. Yeah. So, yeah, honestly, this is the most likable I've found Polly. Yeah, I... Polly here seems very at peace and it's very nice. Yeah, it is nice. I think Tierra does a really good job. She's extremely genuine and very, um earnest yeah and i think it's lovely yeah she definitely has a an air of someone who is holy (laughs) i absolutely agree um so veronica is watching cctv remotely uh of the casino which is very funny yeah she sees marty reggie and kevin locked up um marty has a heart attack and they're like help we need a doctor but then it turns out he was just faking it so they could get people in there it was Um, a good plan by the way smart so frank and tom rush in because they're the only people who work for parcival i guess And Reggie threatens Tom with his knife thing from the end of last episode. Tom asks Kevin if he's okay with this. Excuse me, sir. It's so weird. Hey, right back at you, dad. Yeah. Um, they're supposed to be executing me. And you seem to be unconcerned. I think it's so hypocritical of Tom to be like, Kevin, you're going to allow this man to threaten me? Um, dad, you're going to allow that man to execute me? To kill me? Cool. Yeah, so I felt, and that, that moment was like, I was like, that, that's it. That was funny as hell. Yeah. I'm just like, okay, worst dad award goes to, mm-hmm. again, so, but it's because he's brainwashed. It's because he's, he's brainwashed. So Frank is like, I'm going to shoot, but I'm not going to shoot Reggie. I'm going to shoot Tom because we're soldiers and we know that you need to make sacrifices or something like that. And then his blood will be on Reggie's hands. I oh. mean, it's, it's actually quite a clever plan. It's pretty clever, but I'm also like, or Reggie kills him and his, but he's not actually going to kill him. He's just threatening to, yes. you know, and that's. And he knows that. Yeah. So Reggie lets him go, and they're still stuck in the vault. Yeah, this, um, And Tom takes the dagger, so now they don't have that either. Hey, so, really quickly, what was the point of this? To get rid of the dagger and to show that Frank and Tom are willing to die for the cause. I, I, I guess, but um, also getting rid of the dagger means that we never needed the dagger in the first place because it didn't serve a narrative purpose. Absolutely true. Yeah. Uh, that was mostly for, like, a little tiny twist for the end of last episode, I think. I guess! So Kevin says, Dad, please, you're being controlled. And Tom turns around with the biggest burn of all time. I, I'm surprised Kevin's still alive. Every single one of us, we were like, <gasps> like, I lost my breath yeah. after hearing this. this is, I've never heard a bigger burn on Riverdale ever. So Tom says, look on the bright side. With this execution, Percival's going to make you more famous than you ever would have gotten on your own. Tear the bitch apart! Ouch! I gasped. I, again, I don't know how Kevin is still standing. Mm-hmm. He was assassinated right. in that moment. And he's kind of just like, oh, yeah, Oh, that's a <laughs> roast. Yeah. So we see Cheryl with Jason and she's doing a portrait of him, which is classic Cheryl. Very cute. And she says, I just love sitting in silence with you, which is very funny because he never he talks. He never talks. She asks if he's happy to be back. And he says, and now that he's like back alive, like whatever. At this point, I don't even care that he's talking. But he goes, yes, and I'm glad I don't have to fight in that stupid ass war. And Cheryl's like, huh? 
So she gets the information from Jason, but we don't have to see him saying it, which is great. So she goes back to Archie's house and she tells Archie that Augustus Pickens... I'm like, if Percival's a million years old, then is Augustus his descendant or his... No, I think that's just him. No, because it's Augustus is in the afterlife. Oh, right. Gathering souls. So anyway, I'm not sure exactly how Augustus and Percival even work together. I mean, it's because he's from River Vale, but anyway, anyway. Anyway. So apparently Augustus is gathering souls to fight in the war. So the ghost train is literally a train that they're going to bring ghosts back to fight them with. It's a literal train. If you thought the ghost train metaphor was a metaphor for anything. No. It's not. It's a literal physical train that will be full of ghosts. Honestly, I'm excited about that. I'm just like, okay, so we're going to see Tall Boy. We're going to see Papa Poutine. We're going to see all the people who hate them. Robin, I'm interested. You know they don't have the budget for that. I know, but I want it so bad. I know. And so they're like, we need to, before the comet, let's blow up the train track so that the ghost train can't come. That's their next plan. Again, a literal ghost train. Yes. So they have to literally blow up the train tracks. Yeah. For the literal ghost literal train. Ghost train. This, this is killing me. So Veronica calls Archie and tells him about Reggie and Marty and Kevin. And they're like, if you blow up the tracks, then they're just going to kill them faster. So the plan is that we need to save them first and then blow up the tracks. It's actually quite a good plan. Yeah, but Veronica says mm, she's not sure how that's supposed to, how, how they're going to do that. Later, they have a deus ex machina in Jughead who comes and does it. And yeah, well, I mean, when you have someone who can do stuff like that, exactly. use it. Yeah. So Betty looks in a mirror and she sees this vision of TBK, the FBI version of her, and then little Betty covered in blood and then her in a medieval harlot's outfit, I assume, with blood coming out of her mouth. So I think that's supposed to be like the manifestation of Dark Betty. I I assume so. And then she wakes up and it's like, oh, it was a nightmare. Mm -hmm. So Polly was sitting there with her reading a book and Betty says that she still feels sad and bad. This is mostly just a really long conversation that Betty and Polly need to have split into a few scenes. Yeah. And honestly, I think that was smart instead of having just a really, really long scene where Betty's just reiterating how crappy she is and Polly's telling her that it's okay, you know? So I think it was kind of smarter to mix it up a little bit. I agree. So she says, yeah, I'm still sad and bad. And Polly says, what exactly did you even do that was so unforgivable? Betty says, number one, I killed Caramel. And Polly says, number one, you were eight. Number two, the cat was suffering. Number three, dad was influencing yeah. you. And you, most importantly, um, a serial killer was in your brain. Yeah. So it's okay. Is there anything else? She says, I still feel bad about cheating on Jughead with Archie in high school. That one's fair. Yes. And Polly says, but that still doesn't make you a harlot. That, I mean, the thing about harlot, harlot is such a charged word because yeah. harlot has a lot of sexual implications. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which I think is interesting considering Polly was a sex worker. Yeah. So I'm not sure what message they're trying to portray here. Right. Yeah. The transformation from that to what Polly is now is very interesting. It's, it's and very I'm, jarring. I'm not sure exactly I'm not sure what I want to put into words about it. Like I haven't yeah. quite made sense of it myself. I'm not yet. sure what they're implying because like there's nothing wrong with sex work. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's not what they're saying. Yeah, that she was like bad and now she's good. Right? Yeah, like yeah. because, you know, she made a lustful choice or something. Right. Which is like, yeah, it was it was bad because it was a betrayal, not because of the the sexual 
politics around it. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So then Polly says one of my favorite moments in the episode, actually, which is that it's okay and that you can forgive yourself for falling out of love with Jughead. Yeah. Which is a good point. And um, if you're a bughead, truly sorry. Yeah. So sorry. Uh, Yikes. But it's also like a really important message to hear Mm -hmm. as well. I I think it's. It's an interesting thing to give Lily specifically, considering she and Cole were genuinely, like, in a relationship for a very long time. Yeah. So, Betty says that she looked up a bunch of biblical stuff, including about Cain, and that he was marked by his sin. Um, And I looked it up, it's because he killed his brother. Abel. Yeah. Cain and Abel. Yeah. And uh, she feels marked by the serial killer gene. So that means that she's literally evil. And then we have a flashback to Alice, Jughead, and TBK all sort of calling her bad and evil. So I guess TBK really was just that. That guy. Like, we are not bringing it up. No, he was just some random guy. He was just Dennis or whatever the frick his name is. Yeah, he was just a random guy. Okay. Which I think is very funny. And then Polly says that she's going to do something to help. I think they got bored with TBK storyline quickly. Yeah. You know? Well, it's because he's been in the background for two full seasons now. It just sucks that, like, they didn't finish out the mystery. Yeah. In terms of, like, I really did think there was going to be, like, a twist. That's what I thought, too. And maybe that's on us for assuming that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like every single other big villain has been a character that we already knew. Yeah. So you kind of... And then you have to like figure out the mystery. Yeah. Like you do... There is an assumption there. Yeah. So Polly washes Betty's feet to get rid of her evil. And she says the gene is just gone. Okay. And I'm like... This is this is why I think they're implying that Polly is Jesus. So was Jesus the one who washed feet or was he the one who got his feet washed? I think he washed feet. I wish Sam was here. I went to Catholic school, but you'd never know it. Let me look. Jesus washing feet. Interesting. What a dicey thing to Google in today's day and age. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. Uh, Jesus, it looks like Jesus washed the feet and then tells them to wash one another's feet. Yeah. I think it's like a cleansing of... So Polly is Jesus. Polly is Jesus. And she says that the gene is just straight up gone. And you're like, oh, metaphorically or actually? No, actually. Because if it's actually, you're doing magic. And you know what? She's Jesus. So I guess she can. I'm telling you. So Alice and Dag would still have the gene? I guess. Or is she going to get rid of it in her own son as well? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe he got reset when he died as well. I don't know. Well, what about Alice then? Still don't. Like, who? This show doesn't care. Yeah. What an excellent point. Yeah. And so Polly says that her feet were washed before she went to heaven, and probably she meant that symbolically, because I don't see the Starkweathers doing that. Uh, I think I think she means- That like, she was, like, cleansed. Like, when she was about to enter the suite hereafter. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, because Polly obviously had sin, and she feels that way. You know, she even thought when, when the Black Hood was killing sinners, she was like, I'm the ultimate sinner. I literally have a child with my cousin. <laughs> And, you know, Polly and Jason are standing around here being a happy family. And I'm just like, you're still cousins. You're still, yeah, like, you guys are in a relationship, but you you are still cousins. Yeah. You and are very much cousins. So then she tells Betty that she can now enter heaven as well. Okay. Great. Yeah, you were completely right, but they were just going to take it back immediately. You know, you were just like, I was like, does this mean that Betty can't ever enter heaven? And you were like, no, they'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> and then they did. So the next time Betty looks I've in the mirror. I've seen this show before. <laughs> so the next time that Betty looks in the mirror, she now has that like good aura and she's happy about that. So I'm like, okay, can she do what Polly did now? No. But then why does she have the aura? I think because it means that she is free of sin. Okay, but she doesn't have powers. No, I don't think she has powers. All right. So Veronica asks Cheryl if there's a spell that they could do about Percival. Fair question. Yeah. Uh, Cheryl says that Heather is looking, but she hasn't found anything yet. Jugatha comes back from Rivervale and explains what happens, explains the hostages and how they're supposed to be executed and stuff. And Jughead says, that's okay, I can help. So you go into the vault and Jughead just makes a portal 
And he says, let's go. And they all just straight up walk through. They're just like, all right, we trust you, Jughead. It's and your funny. weird swirling portal. It's funny. And then Archie gets word that they're out and blows up the tracks. Yep. So, yeah, does Jughead just literally create a solution and then immediately save their days? Yes. Yeah, but whatever. It's still cool. Yeah. So Percy walks in, finds that everyone's not in the vault anymore, and Frank gets a, I think, a phone call or a text or something that says that the tracks are also blown, so Percy's obviously really mad about this. Man, how um, bad would you want to see Percy just have a temper tantrum? Right, exactly. Well, I mean, literally in the next episode, uh, Reggie says that he's sad that they didn't get to see his face when he noticed that all of them were gone. Exactly. Reggie says thank you to Jughead, which is really nice, uh, and they're like, yay, everything's coming up us. And I'm like, don't say that. Yeah. <laughs> So I like, do like that mm-hmm. when Reggie and Jughead talk, like, it's, yeah. I think Jughead says something like anytime or like mm-hmm. something just really kind. And I'm like, oh, okay, so we get regular Juggy back yeah. and regular Reggie back. And I know that it was Ross Butler Reggie, but like, I'm remembering very early, like maybe if not, no, it wouldn't have been the pilot, but like the next episode, like 102, mm-hmm. just Reggie was so terrible to Jughead. Yeah. And it just makes me happy that they've all sort of like come together, you know? I also like that maybe some of that is a contrib is, you know, the actors can't help but just like each yeah. other. Mm-hmm. So Archie's like, well, there's still a war to fight, but now we have more information so we can we can keep moving on. Y'all, when I tell you Archie said there's still a war to fight and I screamed at the TV, what war? It's the war between good and evil. How are they going to fight that? I don't know. Like, but me, they have matching the powers. Here's the thing, Bestie. This is a CW. We are not going to get a Thanos snap endgame huge whole crowd, everyone with their superhero powers, fighting each other with lights and stuff. Yeah. That's not what we're going what we're gonna get. So, like, what anticlimactic thing are we going to get instead? Right. That's fair, that's fair. So, they all get a mass text, and Cheryl's like, it's not from me? Okay, wow. And um, it seems like everybody has Percival as a contact, which is really funny. Yeah. Alice, Frank, and Tom. It's a picture of Alice, Frank, and Tom blindfolded in front of the guillotines, and it says that they have already been killed for... For treason. What did they even do? And I'm like, okay. Cause well, like, like Alice for treason. I'm like, isn't she one of your flunkies? Well, literally Tom, Frank and Alice all work with Percival. Yeah. Like that seems so stupid and weird. Why would you even Why would do you that? Ki- because he didn't. No, I, I either think that they straight up didn't kill them. Cause we didn't see a picture. I mean, it's the CW, so you can't, but like, we didn't see a picture of them with their heads cut off. No. We saw them beforehand, right? So either they didn't kill them or they're going to bring them back. Because it's stupid as hell to kill all of, like, first of all, for the show, it's stupid as hell to kill all of your adults, you know? And also it's stupid for Percival to do that because those are people who are powerful people in the community who are helping you. It's just a, it's a, it's a misdirect. Like, why would he be killing his allies? In the trailer, in the trailer, Veronica says, give us our dead, which makes me think that even if if they even are dead, then they're just going to do the same ritual that they did on the people who already died. Which, here's my theory, is that now that Betty can go into heaven, she's the one who gets to go and get Alice back. Oh, that would be nice. My next question is- I mean, they don't have a lot of good stuff happening between them right now, so- (laughs) Well, maybe that's how they're going to try and fix it like they do every single season. Oh, that's a good point. But, you know, Cheryl, Tabitha, and Veronica had to be, like, killed and then brought back to go in there, so I don't know if they're going to do that to Betty or if they're just going to be like, no, she has angel powers now. She's a saint. She can can go just do it herself. So, Robin has that theory. I have this theory. Mm -hmm. I think- because we're heading into the final season and because Machen Amick has had no screen time and she's a pretty major name in terms of like, you know, the genre itself, you know, 
I think that they're going to write Alice out by having her choose to stay in heaven with Polly. That's what Sam said as well. Yeah. She agree- Yeah, she agreed with me. Mm-hmm. That this is 100% my theory. Oh, okay. That's what I think. And then Alice will just probably not be in the next season. Mm-hmm. That's just a theory. I might not be right. I really don't want to see that happen because Alice has literally been here, like, the whole time. Like, and it also seems like Machen, like, enjoys being on it, even if she doesn't have that much to do. I know. I'm just tired of the character inconsistencies yeah. and, the, and the weirdness and the just... I, I honestly, I want Machen to go do a better show. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I also would want... I want her to have a reunite, like a re... What's the... Reunion. Reunion. <laughs> I want her to have a reunion with FP in the last episode or something. Yes. You know, I, like... Listen, it's just a theory. Yeah. It doesn't it, it, it doesn't mean that I'm at all right. Well, that's, well, the thing is, at the end of this episode, they tell us that Alice is dead, right? So we obviously have to talk about, like, if Alice is dead actually forever. And my opinion is, right at this moment, Alice is obviously not dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, Polly isn't even dead right now, right? So so how's she going to even hang out with Polly in the sweet hair after? Well, I think if Jason chooses to stay behind, Polly would then choose to stay behind. Right, right. But no. again, I could be completely wrong. Who knows? So I'm like, okay, so that's not real. And then Jughead says, ah, it was true. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, they all died. I'm like, They'll come they? back. We'll bring in Sabrina. I'm like... I know it's, like, just another cliffhanger for an episode, and I just, like, I don't believe it at all. No. I just don't. Well, because we've seen the show before. Yeah. And we didn't like the ending. I just don't believe it. So, let's go into segments. Let's do it. Uh, My first segment is which character needs a hug the most? Betty. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Mm -hmm. And my segment is which MILF was the most badass? I mean, I'm not going to call anything Alice did badass. Yeah. She kind of just a flunky. Honestly, I'm just going to give a shout out to Tabitha. I feel like you should change it from which MILF to, like, which female character because we're running like, out of milk. what awesome thing did tabitha do this episode yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh what is sam shipping the most uh beforehand she told us it was jughead and tabitha because they were kind of the only um not that you know obviously jughead and tabitha are great um but they were also kind of the only ship that hung out together yeah they were um, the only one at like, all yes yeah. this, this episode so yeah it was going to them is chick dead or what i don't know uh is hiram dead probably not but oh my god, I keep forgetting about freaking Hiram. Yeah, he'll come Ross back. said he wasn't dead. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was lying, Ross? Yeah. No, I don't think he was lying. But I also don't know if we're gonna see. There's only two episodes left in this season, so I don't even. I don't know if we're gonna see Hiram this episode or like this season, or if we're gonna see him next season. Right. But I do think that Hiram is alive. Fair enough. Okay. So now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Tom for. Looking at bright side, son, with this uh, execution, Percival is going to make you more famous than you ever would have gotten on your own. The, the biggest burn of all time. Boom, roasted. Huge. That was quality roast, yeah. though. Sorry, Kevin. You're still kind in my crap book, but, like, I, I respect that you've tried to help at your classic end-of-season personality shift. Honestly, there's a clip in the trailer that, like, gave me, like, a surge of love for Kevin. So I'm like, ah, damn Fine. it. Fine. They'll bring him back. Exactly. Yeah. And mine goes to Jughead for is everyone in this universe a wizard? Um, um, yeah. Love that question. Answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. So for the trailer, the blurb for it is good versus evil. When Archie and Veronica's attempt to negotiate with Percival doesn't go as planned, the forces of good and evil finally face off, leading to some unexpected revelations. Here comes the Varchie agenda. So this trailer makes it seem like this is like the big episode. For the first, I, I think, two seasons, the penultimate episode. Three seasons? No, because the third season ended with like them meeting the Gargoyle King. That was oh, the last right. episode. But so the first two seasons, was the penultimate episode was the big episode. And then the last episode was kind of like a Rapper. denouement. Yeah. And everything. 
And so I'm wondering if maybe this next episode is going to be the big climactic episode and they're going to go back to doing that. I hope it is because I, we can't watch <laughs> the finale <laughs> live because we're going to be busy. Um, so I'm hoping that this is the big episode. Um, it seems like it is based on what's in the trailer. Same. So Reggie says, how's this battle going to go down? I have a question. I, 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 I also I, would like I, to know. I, I'm also interested in knowing. Yeah. Archie's sitting in his living room, sadly. He's talking to... I assumed Reggie, but it kind of looked like Jughead, so I wasn't sure. We see a bunch of serpents rush into the casino. Veronica to uh, Percival with Archie says, the first thing we want is our dead back. Percival turns around in a chair and he has a golden mace. <laughs> what um, a dork. And there's also now a portrait of him in his old timey outfit. Because, you know, they always have to have a portrait of whoever's the owner of the Never casino. Never let go of the aesthetic, of course. Um, Archie is in his kitchen shirtless, seemingly having a rough time. Yep. Jason's doing archery. Classic Blossom twins. I bet he's going to be so creepy about it. Archie attacking Reggie. Jughead says to Tabitha, I'm not going to leave you, and then kisses her hand. Archie attacking Reggie? Yeah, I got the idea that it was kind of a, like, Reggie was upset and Archie was stopping him from doing something violent or something like that. that That's the sort of thing that I got from it. Um, But yeah, Jughead says he's not going to leave Tabitha, um, which makes sense because Tabitha, like, basically told Jughead that he was going to die. Yeah. You know? And then we see Kevin in a serpent jacket punching someone at the casino. Finally. He it's put about, on a serpent jacket after about, being so crappy. It's about damn time. Yeah. Um, Archie says on the phone, burn it down. We see Veronica running with bullets coming through behind her. Tabitha looking at something dramatically. Betty starting a motor in a garage and it's a motor for a chainsaw. And then she says, come get some. And we get a, Hell yeah. we get a quick flash of who she's talking about. And it looks like Glenn. Maybe because he, I mean, Glenn's dead, right? It's oh, his, you're completely right. It's Brittany. his ghost. It's They're the, bringing his. So the so the ghost train happened. Yeah, they must have. They must have some kind of. I guess I was wrong, and maybe they did have a budget for it. So stop talking crap. Well, Glenn was in this season, right? I don't yeah. know if they, they're able to bring back people who weren't who were from like previous previous seasons or something. But, uh, I assume. Yeah. We'll, I assume we'll see Hal though. Oh, of course, Lachlan's always free, and he always does a great job. Yeah. So yeah. All right, you guys. Oh, we did want to say uh, one more time before we go into the outro that the finale podcast episode is going to be late because like I said, we're busy that like whole week. So we won't even be able to record until a week after it it airs. But we love you. But we love you. And um, yeah, keep... uh, DM us your insane theories, please. Yes, please. Yeah. Tell us what you're looking forward to for season five. Yes. What the heck? Season seven. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me all your thoughts on God. Yeah. In brackets, Polly. Yes. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. And thanks so much to Sam and Emily for hanging out while we recorded this pod. Actually, thanks to Emily. Uh, She has COVID and she's just going through it. Yeah. Yeah. If you are so inclined, please leave us a review on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this because um, that helps our analytics and that would be cool. If you can. Yeah. If you, yeah, if you get a the chance. One you I li- well, like the one I listen to doesn't have reviews on it, so. Yeah. Yeah. Do whatever you want. If you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing, and now we're going back to do uh, seasons one to three um, as a catharsis because that show hurt our feelings. I was going to say, uh, considering the episode you just recorded, it's less like and more, mm-hmm. we sure do talk about we it do sometimes. Talk about it. <laughs> if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. I'm currently deep in my Jopper era. Yeah. 
we have covered all of the aired seasons with the exception of the most current one, season four, which we've done like little episodes for, but we're going to do a big record next year. Yeah, it starts next year. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We are almost done season three. It's our longest and most big brain podcast. We have guests over there and a spoiler section uh, at the end. So if you want to watch along with us for the first time, I would be honored. Um, we're almost at season four. I'm so excited. I love season four. It's because it's a great season. It's great. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and Instagram. And Robin makes gifts of her favorite lot of words on Tumblr, though, so, like, that's good content. It's true. I'm basically caught up, so it happens pretty quickly after the episode comes out. Exactly. Our Patreon, like I said earlier, is patreon.com slash theaficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because um, it's expensive. Uh, it's free for you to listen to, but it's not free to make, so we'd really appreciate your help. Pew. Oh, you can follow me personally on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. Um, the next episode is episode 621. It's called The Stand. The Stand is a post-apocalyptic dark fantasy novel written by uh, Stephen King. And it was first published in 1978. The plot centers on a deadly pandemic of oh. weaponized influenza and its aftermath, in which a few surviving humans gather into factions that are each led by a personification of either good or evil and seem fated to clash with each other. That makes total sense hmm, that they would call it. Sounds familiar, yep. That makes total sense that they would call it this. All right, you guys. Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! <laughs>